Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Hard Currency, the podcast from the Financial Times, looking at the events of the week affecting the $5 trillion foreign exchange market. I'm Roger Blitz, and all the talk this week has been about the policy meetings of the Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank. How hawkish were they? What do they tell us about US and European growth? And what are their next steps on the road to normalisation? With me to discuss all these things is Michael Sneed, Global Head of Foreign Exchange Strategy at BNP Paribas. Michael Let's take the ECB first, because that's where we've had the biggest reaction, a fall of at least 1% as we speak in the euro. What did you make of what we learned? What was new about what we learned? So what's very interesting about this ECB meeting is, you know, prior to this event, the market expectations were not hugely in line with uh, looking for QE details to be announced today. Now, of course, we had the QE details very defined. However, of course, we've had the uh, very bearish reaction in euro dollar. The way that we read into this is that the QE uh, tapering that was announced had in there a sentence of conditionality, yes. conditional on how the data is likely to evolve uh, over the next three months. And then the very other important element is the forward guidance. We think that the forward guidance in the ECB was incredibly strong. This is the key thing, isn't it? I mean, in a sense, the market kind of knew this what we were going to get in terms of asset purchases and coming at, to the end, but they weren't expecting this one, were they? Yeah, the key sentence in there is that uh, the ECB expects that rates will be kept on hold through the summer of 2019. Why does that matter? So the market's expectations for some time has been that June next year mm-hmm. is likely to be uh, when the ECB first raises rates. So to say that phrase through the summer mm-hmm. suggests that rates will be kept uh, on hold until at least uh, September 2019. So an extra three months. Does it, it still doesn't quite, for me, sound con- a convincing reason for a big sell-off in the euro. I mean, is, it, is there not also this element about how th- there's still a lot of caution in, in the ECB and actually the balance in the ECB between the hawks and the doves is still, is still very much there and that the doves are putting their foot down? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it's not so much a balance, it's more a, a discrepancy between them. Yeah. And you can see that the uh, wording around QE seems to be there to appease the hawks, while the wording, the very strong wording around forward guidance, seems to be there to uh, appease the doves amongst the counter. Yes. Does the end of QE also is also being factored into by investors? Because after all, what this means in terms of particularly periphery countries in the eurozone is, is I think, still unclear amongst investors. Do you agree? I think it is unclear. I think it's something which investors have not put uh, enough attention on. And one of the reasons for that is that you know it's quite complex. You know, so while QE is ending, uh, reinvestments are going to continue. The ECB is going to maintain the size of the balance sheet. So that still means that there will be you know quite a lot of uh, buying from the ECB, just not enough to be expanding yes. the balance sheet. I think as well as that, particularly when you look at, say, the likes of Italy and Spain, these countries have done uh, a lot of uh, kind of extending the maturity of their debt, which actually means that although bond yields in Europe will be rising, 
the, the sensitivity of the government finances to that increase of rise of bond yields is much less than it was, say, five years ago. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of looking into the distance about all this. But ultimately, there is also the here and now. And for Mario Draghi, the president of the ECB, the euro's fall as a result of this statement is actually, is that not a victory for the ECB? And does it also mean that he's managed to calm volatility at what was always going to be a crucial moment for for the ECB, this statement of ending QE? I mean, the ECB has always told us that they're they're not targeting you know, precise levels of of euro dollar. So we think that they wouldn't look at it and think whether or not uh, the move in the FX is a, is a success or a, or sure. a victory. You know, rather what they would think about is you know what's the impact on you know inflation. And you are seeing that uh, kind of core drivers of inflation are starting to increase. Inflation pressures are starting to rise. Mm-hmm. However, as we saw kind of uh, uh, 12 months ago, the ECB is very sensitive to if there's a big rise of the currency. Yeah. And that has a threat to dampen down inflation yeah. pressures. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the ECB was so strong on the forward guidance. Because they've seen in the past that when they're not strong on forward guidance, the currency can react very strongly. Right. Now, talking of forward guidance, let's go back in time, 24 hours, to the Fed meeting on Wednesday, which was not interesting in terms of the rate hike that came out, but in a lot of, if you like, the structure of central banks, the the, the Fed's communication. And one of these is to end forward guidance and actually to move in January to a uh, each meeting being live. How significant is all this, Michael? So we think it's reasonably significant. We won't want to read too much into it. But really, I think what it's telling us is that the uh, path of the Fed in 2019 is going to be very different from 2018. You know, 2018, the question was always whether it's three or four uh, rate hikes. But either way, the Fed will be gradually tightening policy. The key question on investors' mind for 2019 is whether we could see the the end of the U.S. recovery and is the U.S. likely to slow down. With people talking about recession in 2020, when does that start? Precisely. And I think around that, the Fed will be more comfortable if it can uh, comment more often uh, on the on the data flow that, is, that it's assessing every six weeks. OK, I'm going to start asking you about con- compare and contrast between ECB and Fed. Having said what you said about the ECB and its cautious approach, that the doves having a strong say, do you feel that there's a bit of a different direction for the Fed being, you know, fairly clear and fairly hawkish quite consistently now. Yeah. Yeah, I think comparing and contrasting, I think the Fed and the ECB are in very different places. You know, the ECB is, you know, just starting its its policy tightening. Uh, and as it starts it it still wants to be uh, very gradual and keep policy uh, accommodative. Uh, and as well, referring back to the point I made earlier, it also wants to make sure that uh, uh, markets do not race ahead and for example you see a strong rally in the euro. Uh, if we look at the Fed, they're in a very different situation. Yeah. They're trying to assess uh, whether or not the uh, boost that you're seeing to the economy from extra fiscal spending, the tightness of the employment market is going to be leading to a substantial rise of inflation. Or maybe some supply side effects will come through. Maybe technology will dampen uh, inflation pressures. And that means that the Fed could 
can continue to raise rates gradually throughout 2019. It also means that the, the, the story of policy divergence, which, I mean, at the start of the year, we were talking about convergence. Uh, then we started thinking a bit more about divergence. Then it's kind of gone off the board. But it feels like, to me at least, it really is going to be, you know, the, the, the market's uh, watchword for the next six months. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the case. But I also think that uh, this kind of split between convergence and divergence probably isn't going to be applicable. It's more a, uh, a parallel shift uh, of, uh, of rates moving higher, right. um, but with the timing around who hikes when and when might the Fed well, start uh, to, to, to uh, put no, back I, in the accommodation. You know. I, buy, I buy that, but at the same time, it's, it's clear the pace is going to be very different on both, and the Fed's going to be at, at you know, foot, foot on the pedal, and, you know, the ECB is going to be changing gears, you know, up and down. I mean, it's going to be quite clear that 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 there's. That, that, I mean, and it, it's going to be reflected in how data is therefore consumed. I mean, after all, we've had strong U.S. retail data. That's been a factor in in this week's uh, moves. Whereas, whereas people are still worried about. Maybe you're still worried about the the extent to which eurozone data really is soft or not. Yeah. One one point to make before going into that is uh, just around what the market's currently priced. You know, with the ECB's forward guidance, that's now actually pretty much in line with the market's pricing. The market's priced a 50% yeah. probability yeah. of the first ECB rate hike being in September. Right. So that, I think, limits the ability for the market to swing too wildly from here off the back of, uh, of what's happened. In terms of you know the data, you know we are at BNP Paribas looking for a pickup in eurozone data. Yes. Uh, so far, the data for Q2 has been a little bit disappointing, but we are seeing pickups in US data, seeing pickups in emerging market data, and we think that is eventually going to be coming through in eurozone data as well. Okay, I mean just to conclude, Michael, I felt sorry for you guys all. I don't mean just BNP Paribas, but all forex strategists all year about trying to understand where the euro and dollar are going to be i feel really really sorry for you guys right now because it just feels just impossible to call um i mean there you are at the start of the week i mean you would have thought okay i think this dollar rally is now probably coming off and it's time to get back behind the euro i don't think that now (laughs) where are we you know late thursday is this just going to be a constant toing and froing for the rest of the year yeah, so one thing you know, we've noticed with a lot of the models that we run is that a lot of the correlations are changing very quickly. So, you know, we went from rate differentials not being important to uh, being important, then relative curves, steepness became important. So you're getting a lot of kind of changing regimes. And on top of that, we've had in the last six months a lot of uh, swings in investor positioning. Yes. And what we'd like to do when we think more about where a currency is going in the medium term is think about the real flows, where the portfolio flows like to be going. You know, in our view on the medium term, we do think that euro dollar is going to be heading higher. And one of the reasons for that is we think the US is becoming a, a lot less of an attractive destination yes. for capital. And actually, from relative comparison, the eurozone, although yields are lower because the curve is steeper, is actually a much more attractive place for foreigners to, to, okay. to put capital. What's your depth of conviction on that call? <laughs> so, I mean, from this level, you know, given that the the ECB's four guidance is now in line with market pricing, you know, I think the risk for euro dollar continuing to move lower is, you know, it's there, 
but it's not a huge risk. Okay. I think risk reward is to the upside. My thanks to Michael Sneed of BNP Barabar. Uh, talking of toing and froing, uh, next week we have the Bank of England meeting and lots of votes on Brexit, as if we didn't have enough this week, uh, which will determine uh, in some way uh, or shape or form some kind of uh, path for the pound. Until then, from hard currency, it's goodbye. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.